0: Oh, here we go.
1: Hello, and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. I am Kurt, and tonight we are going to be talking about Johnny Quest, the mid-60s pulp adventure cartoon by Hanna-Barbera, and we're going to be talking about it, both uh, the historical iterations of it, a couple different historical iterations of it, and uh, maybe even a little bit about, I guess, its its descendants in the modern day. So today we are joined by a very special guest, and that is uh, coming to us from the podcast Podside Picnic, a uh, podcast about the literature and media of the fantastic Podside Pete. Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you. and hello, everybody. And uh, I you know I, I should mention uh, you know, once you've gotten done listening, you should definitely go and subscribe to their Patreon and check out the episode that uh, I did with Pete talking about uh, the book that I wrote that uh, I never talk about for a variety of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun recording that with you by the way yeah that was that that was a really good time i don't want to get too sidetracked because i think i think you and i seem to have like a, a pretty easy chemistry podcasting wise and so it's easy for us to get sidetracked so i'm kind of going to charge charge right into johnny quest so so pete we always like to begin the show uh by asking our uh, guests if the media in question is something that they watched as a kid uh, so I wanted to ask you, did did you grow up watching Johnny Quest or was this something of a, of a new exposure for you? I grew up watching the original
0: Johnny Quest. So yeah, like my, my older brother was into it when he watched cartoons, so I was able to watch it when he was doing it. I know that there's like, there were a bunch of extra seasons added in like 1985 or something and like. The ship had sailed for me by then, but like the old ones from the '60s, absolutely saw them.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the the '80s um, series. So, you know, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I, I guess uh, in in the chance that someone is listening who isn't familiar with uh, Johnny Quest, uh, Johnny Quest is basically a uh, series uh, of cartoons about an an action science kid. Uh, who goes on science-related adventures with uh, his his father, Doctor Quest, who is a renowned scientist, and his bodyguard, uh, Race Bannon, who is kind of a a brawny James Bond type secret agent guy. And uh, each episode tends to involve some kind of science catastrophe. Uh, and it's it's been revived uh, a, a, a few times. Um, it was originally on 1964 to 1965, and then was brought back in the 80s. Uh, but but yeah, so so Pete, you 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 were watching the the original run, uh, I, I guess, and not not so much the the 80s run, which I, I believe they were pretty similar, apparently though. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think um, some of this I'm talking out of my hat because I haven't really given the 80s ones a close look, but the uh, the ones from the 60s were very much. Uh, well, I, my theory is that they were inspired by the Sputnik launching. I, uh, well, you know, Octavia Butler, and I'm sorry, I'm going far afield. I'll bra- drag it back. But Octavia Butler was a science fiction writer who was growing up in the 50s and 60s. And during that time period, there was a year when Sputnik happened. And the next year, all of her science classes suddenly had new microscopes. And suddenly, like, the <laughs> quality of the math teaching went way, way up. And the idea is that that fear of the Russians surpassing us made education really important to a lot of people that didn't give a crap about it prior. So, like, with with Octavia Butler, the idea was the reason she became a science fiction author and uh, is that she was actually exposed to science at the right time because everybody went, like, full-on patriot. And I think... That the original Johnny Quest was a part of this movement. It was like, okay, there are these cartoons out there, and they are not teaching kids things, and we want them to become science wonks. So, like, there will be episodes about protecting American rockets, and there are episodes about how, you know, the Chinese are running around with subs trying to stop our satellites. And it's it sprinkled with all this, this add-on educational information. Like in the first episode, I'll never forget this. But at one point, they're like, we're going to the Sargasso Sea. And, and Race Bannon, like the, the heavy, turns to the camera and goes, uh, Sargasso is Portuguese for <laughs> sea grape. And then he like they just continue with the action. Like that was such an important
1: thing to say that they had to break the fourth wall to do it. So I I think you are you are exactly correct about the goals of the show and and that that aspect of including educational info like almost bordering on edutainment at time is definitely something that jumped out at me uh, about the 1960s series. But so for for a little bit of context, um, the the show actually started. The pitch was originally an adaptation. Uh, of an existing radio adventure drama called jack armstrong the all-american boy that ran from like the early 30s through to the late sorry through through to the, the early 50s um and it was actually created uh as an advertising vehicle primarily so the the idea apparently was it was invented by an ad executive as a way to have like an an everyman boy who you could have do things with products that you wanted people to buy. So uh, like so like secret decoder ring and you translate the code and it's drink your Ovaltine. Exactly. Or the, the, the example that I think the Wikipedia article mentions is like if you wanted to advertise Wheaties, you would begin the episode of the radio drama with Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy, waking up and eating a big bowl of Wheaties before he went off and, and you know, fought the Nazis on some kind of cockamamie adventure. Um, And that, that was originally, it was specifically meant to be an adaptation of that. Uh, And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it was that the rights fell through or that the, the pitch just didn't, didn't play out the way that they wanted. But what wound up happening was they took that original concept of let's have a boy that goes on adventures. And the same year that, uh, Johnny Quest was being developed it was also the year that Dr. No came out. So what they actually wound up doing was looking at the kind of the, the suddenly created spy fi genre um, of, you know, the, the, the globe trotting, you know, spy hero. And they smashed these two things together. This like world war II era, you know, radio drama style with very much like Sean Connery lounging on the beach. Uh, you know, and then going and punching people in a secret underwater base, and that apparently is where the specific pitch for Johnny Quest came from. And the weird thing is, it worked because I think
0: if you'd have told me to make that cartoon, it would have been a disaster. But somehow this thing fell
1: together. It it does, and I think I think part of it is that. So I, as I was watching these, um, it it occurred to me how. F- Firmly, this fits into the tradition of, of like pulp children's adventures. And um I, I think I even mentioned this to you before when we were kind of pre-discussing the episode. There is around the time that um Edison became a public figure and like like a, a celebrity, um, there was this genre that is called like the Edisonade about like a young, precocious boy inventor. And the earliest ones were written in like the late 1800s and they all involve some kind of like young boy inventing things uh and then having adventures oriented around these fantastical inventions and um probably the most famous of these is a tom swift which is very much very very similar in a lot of ways to johnny quest it's like it's but it's a boy adventure and not necessarily a boy and his father although i'm pretty sure that tom swift's father was also a super scientist and those were I think those were first written in like the 20s. Um, And there's really this whole lineage of science adventures for kids. But I I think the goal is exactly what you're saying uh, about like we need to encourage kids to look at science and education as something fantastical. And also, if we can sell them Wheaties at the same time, that would be great, too. And I think you're really
0: onto something, too, because as you know, one of my loves is the golden age of science fiction and the pulp age that happened before it. And the one of the things that kept everybody in groceries during that time were the boys tales like Johnny uh, Johnny uh, sneaks on to a rocket and gets a space adventure. Or he builds a rocket in his garage, or he builds a submarine, or whatever it is. But a lot of those science fiction stories that that were in the magazines were specifically targeted at like uh, ten to twelve year olds.
1: Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting. I actually had a couple uh, like boys' science adventure books growing up when I was a kid. So my my father um, very much grew up in that milieu, and so he had like a complete run of, I think like the second edition Hardy Boys, the ones where they, they, they had edited out most of the really racist stuff, but they'd left in a little bit of the racism. <laughs> sure. Um, and I, that, that, that's something that we'll definitely be coming back to, I think, as we continue this discussion. But um, I, he also gave me a book called Herbert, the electrical mouse. And it was about, it was from like the, the early thirties, maybe the mid thirties, And it's about like a fourth or fifth grader who gets a pet mouse and he trains it to to pull wires uh, through... Tubes and he uses like classical conditioning of like ringing a bell. And then he has like his own little science adventure where his father is like an electrician and they can't get the wires through the walls of the school. And so he uses Herbert, the electrical mouse, and like ties the wire to him and then goes to the other side of the wall and rings the bell. And Herbert pulls the wire through. And it was, it's just such a very low stakes charming thing but it succeeds in that aspect of like let's take science and make science the adventure and i think you see that again and again in in johnny quest that kind of like g it's i can't think of a better way to describe it the g whiz yeah absolutely and side note if i ever tried to enact that story i would
0: totally electrocute a mouse it would be inevitable (laughs) but uh it's that uh, a lot of writers of a certain age are obviously like very emotionally connected to, with this idea of storytelling. Like, have you ever read the
1: Tom Strong books from Alan, Alan Moore? No, I haven't, but it sounds it sounds very familiar to the point that like I I can I can picture it in my head, which may just be like me gaslighting myself. So I mean, it's it's very much a similar thing. It's it's about
0: uh, a a young boy who's parents were scientists and and there's a shipwreck on the island he's the only one to survive he gets involved with the natives and he eventually grows up to become a super scientist like his dad and it's it's sort of this weird mixture of the science stuff we're talking about and tarzan
1: yeah i'm i'm looking at it now and it's it's so it it fits so nicely and into this like overall genre it's like you, you even just glancing at the artwork you immediately are able to place it alongside other things uh, yeah um, absolutely i, I think w- one of the things that makes pulp so powerful whether it's you know johnny quest or the hardy boys or or you know e- e- like the the more the more grown-up like world war ii uh men's adventure stories is yes. the way that pulp relies on these kind of like stock out of the box concepts and characters like you you never have to explain anything in pulp for the most part like you know a a shady gangster type shows up and you immediately know everything about the shady gangster because they're they're like every other gangster um and it doesn't really matter if they show up in johnny quest or like a sam spade novel like they're they're always like these stock characters and concepts that are kind of road tested and tried and true and you can just kind of p- like plug them in in like a modular storytelling way. And I think that's very powerful. You see that in the way that like Johnny Quest just hits the ground running. and just goes and it immediately feels so like of a piece with itself. But it also presents this issue where by doing that, you're basically building a story from prejudices that were already existing. And so it, there's a tendency for pulp, I think, to like even more so than other things from uh, you know that era to bring forward a lot of the racism very explicitly because oh, like they're so strong concepts it's like this guy's the chinaman right exactly and like you don't like you you see these characters that you're like oh wow that's very racist and they're racist exactly like every other racist caricature because that was the stock character and it was in everything
0: yeah i um I I have a theory that is probably not true, but it helps me sort of think about <laughs> how these things like build upon themselves. But uh, I know that this stuff happened before, but I think of the origin of this style of story as Kim by Rudyard Kipling, mm-hmm. just because it's such a resonant story that at least everybody who was a kid like when I was growing up, read and got really into, and it's totally built on that raw racism and that embrace of, you know, what they called the great game, the battle between nations. And like Johnny Quest is a great game cartoon. Like it's not about fighting off aliens. It's about fighting off whoever would dare to face off against the hegemony of the United States and its scientists. Like that's what it is.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting the way that like, as a child, you don't really pick up on that because you don't, it, it's, it doesn't, it, it's not even that like, it doesn't seem racist. It's that they don't seem like people, which is, which is the problem really. Like these are not the, the enemies in something like Johnny Quest are not really people. They're just kind of like walking tropes and their appearance tells you everything you need to know about them. But maybe maybe we should dig a little bit into um uh, a typical episode of of uh, of Johnny Quest. Yeah. Um, so what's what's one of the ones that that stood out to you because I it's it sounded like you you were uh, making your parents watch them with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I'm I'm like an awful human being. Um so I watched I watched the one with the eye of course. You got to watch the one with the eye um i watched uh the sargasso c one with the
1: laser which is in some ways it's my favorite because it's so absurd let's talk about that one because that has that has everything in it it even has like very specific hp lovecraft style racism where you're like i think this is racist but i don't actually know who it's racist towards yeah so let's, let's, let's talk about that one do you, do you mind trying to to recap the plot of that one sure
0: so uh they uh, it, it starts out with a, a merchant ship going through the Sargasso Sea, and they say, Uh, what, what is that light in the distance? And the ship explodes. And for, for anyone who is not a chimpanzee, that light was obviously a laser. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, another ship full of extremely helpful and ignorant brown people. And I'd like to point out this ship is wooden, where the other one was metal. And they, did you
1: catch that? Y- yes, it, it was. It was very much like an old timey, like pirate ship looking ship. And and I I believe that it was a Portuguese ship, and everyone on it was supposed to be Portuguese. And it's all you you could most charitably describe the characters as swarthy, and they were all wearing <laughs> like white and red striped like blouse type shirts and red bandanas. And, and and golden earrings and golden earrings and I I thought that it was like <laughs> weird racism towards Spanish people, but later in the episode they do specify that they're 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 Portuguese and this was a stereo this was like a racist stereotype that I didn't even know ex- existed,
0: you know. And I feel bad because I just assume, assumed they w- they made like ocean gypsies, like I didn't even know they specified a country. Roma <laughs> you can specify Roma. There exactly they are the traveling people and they may travel where they will. Uh, but anyway, going
1: it's, to it's, you know to it, to, to defend ourselves, it is hard to talk about this show without sounding racist because the like the the characters and designs of the characters are inherently racist. Like from the very first image that you see in the credits is a group of. Like stereotypical like Zulu tribesmen type people m- making like racist fake speech and throwing spears. There is no getting away from the racism of this show. To be clear, with red painted lips. Yes, I I I hate that I had
0: to say that, but I really did. Uh, okay, so at any rate, uh, uh, you cut to race Bannon. And uh, Johnny Quests. Uh, so, Race Bannon is. So, I'm skipping some things, but uh, the. I, I think they had some exposition between some CIA people.
1: Yes, exploring. yes, that was so interesting to me. I'm glad that you mentioned <laughs> that. Yeah, it's like it's like two. Like again, here's a stock character, the G Man. You don't need to know anything about them except they wear blue and gray suits and they work for the government in some capacity, and they're like something happened uh, with science in the in, in the Sargasso Sea. We need to uh, get uh, Doctor Quest. We need to get Doctor Quest. And they go. Well, actually, oh, it? it was
0: like pull port- folder four four three eight, and the other guy's like, "We need Johnny Quest," and I'm like,
1: "Why did you memorize that, you <laughs> freak?" <laughs> uh, but. I I did like I, I never realized this that they explain that um Johnny's mother I, I guess died or was killed or they they're not super clear about it but Race Bannon works for the government and has been assigned to the Quest family as Johnny's bodyguard. Yes, and tutor. And tutor. Yes, and tutor and it opens with him teaching Johnny some like martial arts throws basically. Yep and they 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 do
0: the they do the business with uh bandit the dog mm-hmm. and that dog only exists to keep the younger audience watching to expand cuz like his his only function is to do something cute to make a smaller
1: child laugh that's that's it <laughs> He he does sometimes uh, move the plot along as in later in this episode, he'll like he'll like run into another room and come across the bad guys and start barking. And that that alerts the heroes and that or gets them captured or something like he, he does occasionally like serve as a narrative contrivance uh, in much the same way as like. Uh, Shaggy and and Scooby Doo do in the Scooby Doo series. I would say.
0: Well, and can we we talk about that? Uh, I mean, this is your show, but there is a parallel between this cartoon and that cartoon that I want to call out.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean this this is a Hanna Barbera show and they were making this at the same time as Scooby-Doo as far as i know like they were specifically trying to pivot in a slightly different direction from the cartoons that Hanna-Barbera was known for like Scooby-Doo and Yogi Bear and so on so yes please please continue okay so
0: Scooby-Doo the the basic like if you don't know about Scooby-Doo welcome to earth <laughs> But the, the basic premise is that we live in a rational Newtonian universe and when something supernatural happens, it's a trick and somebody's bullshitting you. Except for the talking dog. <laughs> And that is the exact thing going on in Johnny Quest. Like this is a rational universe and when you see ghosts or lizard men or weird lights in the sky, what is absolutely happening there is some Russian su- super science scientist testing a weapon on some suckers.
1: And yeah, it's 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 making a very clear distinction of like um uh, what's what's that? Uh, there, there's like an Asimov quote of, about like, you know, the the veil of superstition, the the, the veil of superstition is, is constantly pierced and constantly made fun of like, like only a fool would fall for such obvious subterfuge as to believe in, in a in a ghost or like a lizard person.
0: Right, right. Except that dog bandit has a human brain. <laughs> like they'll turn to the dog and they'll say, "Could you create a distraction for us? Why don't you go behind that man and start barking?" Yeah. <laughs> and the dog's like, "All right, cool." Like there's never any question that that dog can do anything. I I I have a memory from childhood that I cannot verify, but I seem to remember Bandit driving a boat.
1: That that seems an entirely in line with what what happens in this show. Yes, I believe that. Okay. But just incredible. Okay, so so
0: that 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 was my sideline. But that that it's a it's a it's a scientific rationalist worldview where when they decide to completely ignore that, they do. But um, what ends up happening is they start going through the Sargasso Sea to investigate this stuff. And one of the things I'd like to call out here is that when you see the relationship between race and Johnny. It is very much a father son relationship. Yes.
1: Yeah, Dr. And- Quest is not uh, a a a very loving father. Uh, it, it's it seems to be. He actually he seems to care more about his his uh his talking computer that seems to have replaced his wife uh than yes. he does about his son
0: <laughs> well and the thing is like i i mean and and i may be being uncharitable but i believe this but like to keep his son off his back he bought him a hindu
1: kid yes yeah so so let's let's talk about about haji um it it's the haji's backstory is that the quest family dr quest specifically Found him living on the streets of Calcutta. Uh, I'm I'm just going to use the, their own terminology. Um, yeah, you have Calcutta to. is not not called that anymore. Um, and uh, qu- quote unquote rescued him uh, and and brought him along as yeah as a playmate for Johnny Quest. And you're supposed to think that this is like the greatest thing in the world that like you know the brave white scientist has rescued this 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 poor orphan and brought him to civilization. Um and so now he's constantly saying you, you know uh seem you know, seem saladim. Exactly, like like orientalist catchphrases and uh it's just it's it's such an interesting thing though, because if you go looking, you will find a lot of people saying, Oh, this is like a positive portrayal. Like you'll you'll find Indian people or Indian Americans saying like at the time that they saw this, they felt good about it because you know it was rare to see and an Indian character who, or I should say a Hindu character who, uh, was, you know, not a villain, but at the same time, like looking at it in 2020, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so racist. Like he, he constantly is doing, you mentioned Rudyard Kipling things earlier. Like he may as well be a a Rudyard Kipling character where, you know, he, he, he makes us like a piece of rope rise out of a basket in like half of the episodes. And to the extent that he has a character, yes, he is just like the foreign child that is Johnny quest's playmate. And he's constantly confused about science and and technology. So did you,
0: well, of course you noticed, but, but acting as my foil, did you notice that, uh, that Haji is never in any teaching sessions? So like, (laughs) like they're oh, teaching God. Johnny Quest math and Haji is off doing something and at one point I remember um uh Race was teaching Johnny how to use like a like a speedboat and Race I and Johnny was like well I can't wait to teach this to Haji later
1: yeah what yeah yeah he he doesn't even get the agency uh, in in the original series of being able to be present for, for although I mean it, I can't even remember how much he was in that first episode. He's he's in the subsequent ones. It felt like a lot more. Like it, it felt like, yes. like the first episode was mostly just Race Bannon and Johnny doing and their. It, they were trying stuff. to build that relationship, I think, and I think I think it,
0: for the pilot that was the theory that it would be the relationship between those two that drove
1: the plot. And it, I mean, it it kind of is. I I feel like although I mean, as it, as it goes on, it is very much like like Haji and Johnny and Bandit I feel like become the the three main characters and at times like Race and Dr Quest are are kind of like perplexed and and out of the loop on, on a lot of things in a very like inspector gadget sort of way where like the adults don't entirely know what's going on but then Race will will come in towards the end and you know, beat a bunch of people up or something. Yeah.
0: Well, to be fair, I think they're spending most of their
1: time interacting with child protective services. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's so. So, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because in in both the original series and you know even the later shows, um, pretty violent. Like people are just whipping out Tommy guns and and trying to kill people, uh, or they're like you know, surrender or we kill the boy. And you know this right. is very much like like a trope of pulp, like that. It you're you're taking adult stakes and transposing them onto children in these like pulp child adventures. Like that's part of the gimmick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. Is that um, because they picked these tropes and trappings, they were able to make a much more violent show than say, well, the example you gave was Scooby Doo.
1: Right. Yeah. Where like the worst thing that happens to someone in Scooby Doo. Is like someone, you know, I guess chloroforms one of the Scooby gang and, uh, you know, they they wake up tied up with with rope like that seems to be about the worst that, that ever happens. And, and that's that's about the worst that ever actually happens in Johnny Quest. But the, the threat is there like everyone's a very bad shot, but if they weren't, it could be a lot worse. And sometimes I get the impression somebody might have just died off camera, but you're never really sure. in in this series, yes, and I, th- this is where I, I'm excited to get to to the real adventures uh, because they are they' they're just killing people in, in that. but oh um, yeah, they are. So, uh. so so speaking of the action, um, what did you think of the art in the original series? Because it kind of jumped out at me when I was watching it
0: it was clearly of a style that has been abandoned. Yeah. Like they, they very much looked to, and, and this is just me BSing, like, uh, feel free to call me out, but it looks like they looked at the old world war two comics, like the, uh, the Sergeant rocks and the, the Magnus robot fighters and that era of, of Polk comic to develop the artwork for this. And it really, it really jumps out. I think it's, it's it's actually beautiful in a way that
1: you don't see many cartoons. Yeah, see. I I yes, that that that's exactly what I wrote down in my notes. I wrote down that it looks like like tricolor comic book art with like bold lines, kind of the these like I I guess the, the word that I would use for it is crunchy. It has a very crunchy feel to it. It looks like art drawn on paper in a very like it's it's that kind of like it's it's a relatively low depth um like lower quality lower detail style but Mm -hmm. much like something like tin tin which which i i should i should mention was also a direct a direct inspiration for for johnny quest it uses that kind of like clear line style to suggest a lot more than it actually shows so like even though dr quest's beard is just like a red blob on his face Mm -hmm. just like the, the little subtle hints in the shape of the line give it what feels like a lot more definition that your eye is just kind of implying but also the the framing of of shots i guess you would call it is very comic book panel like like there's that one shot in the opening credits where a mummy is like holding someone over their head and it feels like there should be a speech bubble going erd or, or something next
0: to yeah you know. and then a title below it you know the the time of the
1: mummy or whatever so, so I keep interrupting you in your recap, but I think we've almost gotten to the actual villain <laughs> of, of the first episode. So let's let's talk about that villain, and let's let's talk about the villains in in Johnny Quest uh, in in a bit more more detail.
0: Okay, so so the villain in the Sargasso Sea laser episode is a scientist from an un. Unnamed foreign <laughs>
1: adversarial comp- country, which has to be Russia. I, it's it's hard to tell because he seems. I I I think I wrote down that he seems like he's from the country of foreign land. Like his his accent yeah. doesn't sound Russian to me. It's not it's not that typical like Musen Squirrel, you know, like Russian accent. Um, but it, it also it sounds a little bit French at times. It sounds a little bit German. It's like I don't know. Maybe he's Swiss. <laughs> like not American is yeah, the takeaway. Not American. And he, I think he even mentions like our, our next step is we're going to shoot down your American rocket. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Like they're going to pre- prevent the moon landing. Like yeah. that's the-
0: <laughs> but so ba- basically uh, it turns out that this whole thing of shooting ships in the Sargasso sea is a weapons test and this crazy foreign scientist decided that the best way to test this laser was just to blow up random ships and attack people with frogmen.
1: Yes, and the frogman is something that is so funny to me because it's it it's, it's exists in anything that has enough pulp influence. You eventually get frogmen, and it's something that doesn't fit Anywhere else ever, and uh, this is this is where I'm I'm going to bring up Venture Brothers. the The Frogmen are like recurring background characters periodically in Venture Brothers, and just the the just the appearance of them is inherently funny. These people who are <laughs> defined by the fact that they have like scuba gear and like knives or harpoon guns, basically, but they keep showing up throughout Johnny Quest, and again in you know l- latter day things that sat satirize things like Johnny Quest, such as Venture Brothers.
0: Yeah, well they show in Venture Brothers they show up in
1: non-ocean scenes sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's there's there, there's so much about like it, it, it's it's funny to to put uh, Johnny Quest especially the first episode side by side with with Dr. No because Dr. No the you know the the first James Bond uh, movie has a, a lot of the same trappings of the episode. Like it, you know, it has the underwater layer, it has the, you know, kind of ambiguously foreign enemy, it starts on a beach, um, you know, there, there's not like pirate ships in, in the Sargasso, um, but there is that sense of like, there's a lot of structure to these villains, like they've clearly invested a lot in infrastructure that doesn't really make sense, but it sure makes the story interesting, because now there's an underwater layer that you can go to, and that's just cool, man. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true, and I
0: think it's a healthy way to look at it. It's one of the things about this is, I think I not to put words in your mouth, but we both really liked this.
1: Yes, and well, we we really want. I I really want to like it. Like I, I I can like it as an adult and be like, yes, this is very racist. Okay, okay, like f- f- you know, first sentence, this is very racist. Um, but it's also really good, and it like it makes me want something like this that isn't really racist. And I, I don't know if you can do that, um, but, it, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, like, engaging and neat, and the concepts are interesting, and they just come at a really fast pace. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean it's uh, – so many things were done right that it makes it very easy to mock the things that were clearly done wrong, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, even just to talk about the character of Ray Bannon, like they, they spend zero time explaining who he is. You see him, and he's like a handsome, brawny, confident guy who, and, and that's it. You can infer everything else about him. He knows martial arts of some kind. And he has um, white hair, but and he's he has young. White hair. Yeah, like he could be a character in in anything he could have shown up in the hardy boys he could show up in james bond he could have been from from any i mean he basically is james bond but like american Um, and the nanny yeah and it it comes across in in seconds the second that you see him you're like you know who this character is and that's something that again it's leaning on those those pulp like cliches but so few um Modern shows and movies are able to, to to pull that off, unless they're part of something like the James Bond series, where they have that like that specific history to 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 fall back on. I feel like. Yep.
0: So, do you want to talk about? Uh, do we want to cross compare
1: this to uh, the the real adventures of Johnny Quest? Well, let's let's kind of wrap up. Um, I, okay. I, I guess you know, there's there's so many different episodes of johnny quest and they all like we said before they all involve some kind of like science adventure so there's there's space ones there's undersea ones there's uh you know flying ones there's ones in in the 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 arctic circle um the the villains are almost always some kind of foreign person um they have like generic generically foreign henchmen um i don't know like it's it's as as we said like we both really liked it but definitely struggle W- you know w- with it do you have do you, do you have any other closing thoughts that we, we didn't touch on 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 johnny quest oh you know what the music i want to talk about the music oh like it's been
0: going through my head the whole time
1: we've been talking it's so good and when the flute comes in there's there's like a little flute solo which so perfectly fits it into that that spy fi um style like it's it's when it's very of a piece of like the tiki music like hawaiian music craze where you have a little bit of like like Afro-Caribbean style kind of made its way into like American, like orchestral pop, I, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just the the we liked the feel of the cosmopolitan without actually being so. So the sort of having the hint of it orbiting around your your American music really worked.
1: Do you have have any other closing thoughts on on the original series before we move on?
0: Like I, I found myself like I watched the whole first season and started to watch part of the second. And it occurred to me that uh, with with a few exceptions, it's the same episode over and over.
1: It is. Yeah, these are not this is this is an issue that I find with a lot of older shows is that they were not designed to be binged because binging was not something that you could do. There was no home media. Uh, they usually did not show more than maybe they would show two back to back. Um and, you know, it was pure random luck if you ever saw that 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 episode again. So it was yeah. fine that it was repetitive.
0: But like in our situation, watching it now, it's like, oh, amazing. Midway through the
1: episode, somebody got kidnapped by the bad guys. Yeah. Who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it definitely does have that like that repetitiveness to it. And and it, it, it does jump out at you. But you know what? I think if I were like eight or nine watching this, even if I were binging it, I don't think I would care.
0: I see the point you're making. Yeah, yeah. I I would uh, like like at that age, uh, well, repetitive can be good.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if if you go young enough, um, all of these shows are very repetitive. They they always have like a very standard structure, and and part of it is because I think kids' attention tends to like it's it's either laser focused or it's wandering. Um, and in, in much the same way as like law and order, you can kind of jump in at any point in the episode and be like, okay, what part of the episode are we in? Uh, have they gotten the MacGuffin yet that they'll need to use at the end or, you know, has, has the wise teacher appeared and, and told the the heroine, what the emotional. Uh, takeaway is for the episode, like like you, they, they all follow such a structure that you can just kind of show up in them and immediately know what's going on without having seen the like, the, the first part of the episode. And for kids who have very wandering attention spans, uh, that th- that can be very smart. I think.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, there are a lot of shows. I mean, usually for a younger audience, I'm thinking of things like Blue's Clues, where they're actually designed to be seen multiple times in a row. Oh, definitely, yeah. So I mean th- th- thank God they're not doing this here but I mean they certainly wouldn't mind if you watched the same episode 4 or 5 times because it's not it's not designed to have a crazy plot twist. I think you're you're onto something.
1: So to transition us into talking about the real adventures of 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 Johnny Quest, um I I dug up this 1996 Washington Post's editorial um called The Real Villains of Johnny Quest. And um, this this was coming out, I, I believe that The Real Adventures uh, of, of Johnny Quest came out in either 96 or 97. I think it was 97. Um, and the context of this is that they were producing this Johnny Quest revival in part based on apparently very, very successful um, home media sales of the Johnny Quest series, which had come out in like late 95 and sold like hundreds of thousands of copies. Um, and off of the success of that, they went, Oh, jo- Johnny Quest, people want this. Maybe we can bring it back. Um, and the the real villains of Johnny Quest, this 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 op-ed, is wrestling with the racism of of Johnny Quest. Um, and I, I think the it's very much like people hadn't been thinking about it a whole lot. It had just kind of been on, you know, like TNT reruns or whatever. Um, and now that it's you know being now that it's being revived, people were taking like a a critical mid '90s you know somewhat woke eye to it. Uh, and what what the editorial says is it basically acknowledges yes, it's very racist, and then goes on to say like, but we can wrestle with that. We can we can learn from that. We don't need to stop watching Johnny Quest. And the the, the quote that I pulled out of it is. We don't watch vintage television shows the way we used to. By watching a show like Johnny Quest, we can also wrestle it to the ground. We can have a big laugh at television, be knighted enough to present the world in such a screwed up fashion. We can choose to take from shows what we want while struggling over the issue of how old but powerful images will be presented to our children. Um, And that to me is very much like the, the mindset that's going from the old series into the new series. And it's interesting to me that people were talking about it in those terms at that time
0: yeah it, there's a level of awareness there that's sort of a surprise. In some ways, it's what we're doing right now,
1: yeah. and I mean, they they really hit the nail on the head, which was like these images are old, outdated, very powerful. we We kind of agonize over whether they're appropriate to show kids. um as adults, we can look at them and enjoy them as as adult media as much as you know, we were re- like revisiting these. But is there a way to update these and make them not problematic? And that brings us. To the real adventures of Johnny Quest, which I don't believe you had seen before, is that correct?
0: correct. Yeah, they. I mean, uh, ninety six. Like I was just starting law school.
1: So why weren't was, you watching Johnny Quest?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I might as well have. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. For I, I was I, not destined to be a lawyer. If I knew then what I would, I knew now, I would have definitely like been sitting next to a keg watching the real adventures.
1: Well, now that you've had the opportunity to to be exposed to this, I don't know what's what's your takeaway. Like, how 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 do you feel about the real adventures of Johnny Quest?
0: Well, I think that in their desperate rush to create a cartoon that was less dated, they've managed to create a cartoon that dated itself even more in half the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a very good way of putting it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean, that being said, I, again, I liked it. Like, I don't, I don't think it was a bad cartoon. I just think that like, uh, like there are so many choices they made that were really painful. Like as, as a student of sci-fi, if there's anybody here making cartoons or books about science fiction, I have a tip for you not right now. Don't lean too hard on
1: computer science. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, so so so. Let's take a step back. Um, the real adventures of Johnny Quest is essentially the same template as Johnny Quest. Um, it follows Johnny Quest, Doctor Quest, Race Bannon, and and Haji. Um, Haji has a bit more agency, but he is still very much like Johnny's, you know, brown friend. Basically, um, yes. they, they do go out of their way to make him a, a more 90s version of racist, I would say, like he's closer to something like uh, Kwame or Mati from uh, you know Captain Planet, where like arguably like still not great, but they were trying and, you know, th- it was certainly lauded at the time. I'm not the right person to be. You know, I, I think neither of us are the right person to to say like oh this is good or or this is bad. Um but personally if I were making a show I I would stay away from from this character without asking someone who had a better you know point of view on on what was good and uh what was perhaps not. Um but there was an attempt as as the meme there says. Was. And also yes. they also introduce uh Jesse who I believe is Race Bannon's daughter who is so 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 now you have You know, the the white American boy, the white American girl, and then their their brown friend in a very like Burger King Kids Club, mid 90s, uh, you know, pan pan cultural, you know, early wokeness, let's say.
0: So I I have a, a theory about the real adventures of Johnny Quest that probably you weren't anticipating me to go with, but it's about hair color. (laughs) <laughs> Did you think about <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about? kind of kind so, of um uh, in the original series, Dr. Johnny Quest had red hair to beard, and yes it's, it's true in the real adventures, they muted that, but gave Jessica red hair. And so I think it is possible. <laughs> Possible that race Bannon got cucked?
1: I I don't know that race would allow that to happen. I don't know. Well, he, maybe they were <laughs> swingers. He is very. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you think about like the virgin versus Chad meme, he is very much the Chad of of the meme. Um, not yes. that you know, Doctor Quest is still a very like alpha male science guy um but uh he's 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 no race bannon but but uh jesse's parentage aside um what you say about computers is really is really interesting to me have have you seen the movie lawnmower man oh god yes dude (laughs) i saw it in the theaters so one of the other new things introduced in the real adventures of, of Johnny quest is this thing called quest world. And it would be for, <laughs> for a I'm sorry. Episode, it's so funny. <laughs> you would have very bad quasi 3d CGI, um, that would show up and, uh, you were supposed to be blown away by it. And the movie lawnmower man does the same thing where they're like, CGI is a thing. We can do it. We can afford it. Let's cram it in there. Um, and it doesn't look great. It, Lends it a very it, it perfectly positions it in the moment in time that it occurred, um, but in, you know you th- know this was not the only show doing this. There was also um, there was I mean obviously there there was reboot which was an all CGI show. I think the the first all CGI show. Um, there was a, a BattleTech TV show that was on at the same time where they would do this thing where they would go into quote unquote like combat vision. Um, and that was like a, a very low res, you know, CGI m- models would, would pop up. And when, when the mechs were fighting, um, there was a series called the bots master, which actually you were supposed to watch. It would tell you to put on your 3d glasses, uh, which, which I never found the three, you know, any kind of 3d glasses that actually worked with their supposedly 3d d- display, but it did also use, you know, limited 3d. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's so hard to see this kind of CGI and not be like, oh, it's old timey CGI. Right. Right. And like, there was a whole series of,
0: of cartoons that experimented with this, but like they, at least with this one, they sort of built in an explanation, which is they, they built EverQuest. <laughs> <laughs> And they and like they kept trying to apply it to situations. Like, well, what I loved it do, do you remember the one with the poison gas?
1: Oh, yes, yes, that, that was the main <laughs> one that I wanted to talk about.
0: Oh, god, it's so bad! But uh, so uh, can I just start talking about it? Yeah, please do, please do. Okay, so it's sort of a race ban and backstory thing where uh, there's this. Uh, back when Bannon used to work for whatever government agency he worked for, I always assumed it was the CIA, but apparently not because he was working within the United States this time around. And we all know that that <laughs> the government would never do that because it's illegal. Um, but there was this scientist who had gotten it into his head to release a nerve gas in the middle of Chicago.
1: Dr. Surd.
0: Yes. I, I'm. I can only assume his first name is like Abraham. Absurd, but uh, <laughs> but uh, like basically, this guy decided that since the government cut his research funding, he was going to release his poison gas unless they gave him a bunch of money. And I would like to point out that if there was a scientist who developed an effective nerve gas. The government would not cut his funding.
1: Yeah, yes, very Very true. Yes, very true. <laughs> no chance at all. But... I don't think so. I, I didn't get the impression that his research was into nerve gas. It seemed like his research was something else, and he just happened to have nerve gas.
0: I, you know, I might have just made the assumption. Because, like, why else would he have it? But you're right. Like, maybe, maybe it could have been anything for
1: all I know. But it was very it was very interesting that it it starts in like I think it was 1978 it said and it feels for an instant like escape from New York or something of of that kind of like late 70s early 80s like I don't know what you would call it exactly like neo crime pulp uh you know very, very like John Carpenter the very very low rent John Carpenter but still felt like it was kind of pulling from that that well briefly I, I, you know, I've got to give you credit because I felt it was like a low rent Bond villain. Yeah, that yeah, certainly, definitely, and I mean, have have you watched the 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 early eighties Bond movies like the Timothy Dalton ones? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that that was my era, unfortunately. Oh, okay, yeah, fair, fair. So, so you know, this is not this is not about James Bond, uh. But let me say, Timothy Dalton, great James Bond. Bad James Bond movies, in in my opinion. And part of the problem, in my opinion, is that the you they switched from having these James Bond supervillain type people to just having like criminals and like drug guys. Um and and yeah, uh Dr. Surd could absolutely be one of these just kind of like c- criminal people. And it, it felt like lowering the stakes. And and so the the stakes compared to the original Johnny Quest felt lower to me with with, with 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 Doctor Surd, because like again he just wanted his research funding back he didn't want to have to fire all of his uh, graduate assistants.
0: Yeah, well, which is relatable, by the way. Uh, I I want to I want to tie it back to something here. Feel free to slap the microphone out of my hands and do it. But this is feels like a good time to talk about the era that we're in because the previous Johnny Quests were very much about the Cold War and the United States supremacy and, you know, the, the, the rise of the West, if you will. And these, these don't know what the fuck they're about. Like, <laughs> like on some level they're about, uh, the end of history villains, like, like the villain, the villains you're likely to find here are like, um, evil scientists trying to steal money for their research or just straight up terrorists. There's no, there's no nation to pick a fight with. There's no, there's no purpose to anybody's activities that makes any real sense. And that's because in the nineties, we didn't really have a, an understanding of, of who the good guys and the bad guys were as a nation. We didn't know. And this comic, this cartoon reflected that really well. Like we, like from episode to episode, you have no idea who Johnny Quest is going to fight because who cares?
1: Yeah, there's there's very much a sense that, wh- whereas like in the original jo- uh, Johnny Quest, the world is perilous and filled with enemies. Um, even, even if you are in America, there's an outside force trying to get in. In the real adventures of Johnny Quest, uh, America feels peaceful and like idyllic. Like you, you get the sense, yeah. Like, uh, end of history is exactly the way to describe it. Like, everything in America has been settled. Maybe there's some bad stuff going on in Serbia and, and, or like South America, and maybe Johnny might get involved with that. But you get the sense that if he didn't go on these adventures, he would just kind of live out, you know, a, a, uh, upper class lifestyle, hanging out, doing science stuff. And, uh, you know, the outside world could, you know go for a walk like it 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 wasn't going to come get him for the most part is, is Absolutely. what it felt like to me yeah um, none of it mattered i am glad that you mentioned that it doesn't really feel like it knows where to come what, like what it, what it's about um because one of my big notes on on the real adventures was um so in the mid 90s there was something of a pulp revival like the the 80s had had a big pulp revival in movies and then it just kind of went away so like you had like star wars you had indiana jones um and then for whatever reason people mostly stopped making those but then you had kind of like an aftershock in the mid 90s where you had things like the young indiana jones you had the rocketeer you had the shadow you had uh you had the phantom with billy zane um mm-hmm. and uh and it didn't really stick and i think part of the reason it didn't really stick is because those were all self-consciously backward-looking pulp they were like well let's just try and make some 1940s pulp and and have it now um and the real adventures of johnny quest wants to be pulp but it doesn't have any of those pulp tropes to pull from anymore so as you say it goes to weird places it's like scientists who had their funding cut or aliens or um you know artificial intel like, like ghosts in the machine. Or um, b- burned CIA agents, and it just it doesn't feel like it's pulling from anything in particular, and it feels like Johnny Quest robbed of those cliches that it was leaning so heavily on that were simultaneously a problem in, in terms of you know the the, the media not being racist, uh, but also a real benefit in the fact that you didn't have to come up with a setting, and so it felt like they just didn't come up with a real setting. Yeah, Well, and I I think they're kind of hoist
0: on their own petard here, because the attraction in some ways of the original Johnny Quest is that purity of purpose. Like, you always know who the good guys and the bad guys are, and you always know what right and wrong is and the direction of the plot, and it it all fits. But the foundation of that is, like, horrible racism. Yes. (laughs) Yes. and so like these geniuses are like, well, we're going to pull that away and then we're going to make Johnny Quest. And there's nothing to make Johnny Quest on at that point. At that point, he's just like a a weird kid with an adopted brother and a bodyguard
1: going around doing stuff, and nobody and, knows why. And and the, one interesting thing is Johnny is like far and away the least interesting, most bland character oh my god real adventures like jesse and haji are much more interesting and are much better written like there's there was a moment in um by the way the episode that we started talking about is called escape to quest world <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: um
1: there's a moment where where johnny is like isn't it like you always say haji like you know, don't doubt that the sun will come up just because the moon has risen. And, and Haji said, I have never said that. Yes, um, yes, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I thought that was that was great. And like, I, I don't know to what extent that was them like lampshading the racism of the original series. I'm, I'm pretty sure he still kind of says st- stuff like that occasionally. Um, sure. In the real adventures. But it, it was like it was a it was a moment of character that like Haji was not just being a stock character, but Johnny still very much is. Um, and he's just like, he's just like the, the white hero guy. He's like Wheeler from captain planet basically.
0: Oh, that's funny. Cause I think of him as like the girl in, uh, twilight. Like Johnny yeah. has no fundamental characteristics whatsoever. And that's the point because the audience could look and say, well, that's me. And there's yeah. nothing there to contradict it.
1: Yeah, he's he's just like a cool kid. He's he's just like like a yeah. generically cool kid, like the kid uh, from the Crossfire commercial who <laughs> has like blonde spiked hair, and he goes, "Yeah, like it, like you don't know anything about Johnny except that he's kind of cool. Like seems like he could do cool stuff. Like I bet he knows a little bit about computers." Uh, I bet he knows how to skateboard. I um, was just going to say, he, you could
0: make him slightly worse by giving him a skateboard, but that's about all I can think um,
1: of. He does have a, a hoverboard at some point in the series. Ah, so.
0: Of course he does.
1: I'm sorry to tell you. Um, so, so yeah, so to continue the plot of Escape the Quest World, it, it turns out that, you know, Dr. Surd appears to die in the flashback uh, and they they discover his caches of nerve gas in the future. That uh, Doctor Quest and Race Banning get trapped inside of like a, a a building with them. Oh, by the way, they kill people. People die. Like a lot of they, people. They show you them dying, um, not just getting shot. You don't see anyone get shot. You see a, and this is almost worse. You see a construction worker die from nerve gas, and it like yeah. goes to his face, and is like there's like foam coming out of his mouth, and his eyes are all bloodshot and bugged out, and like he he died. Like, that that was a dead body that they showed you. And then they show a helicopter having gotten blown up by a rocket. And that, like again, you don't see the, the bodies in that case. But there is a body count in this show that even the old one didn't necessarily have. Like, you got the I- impression that someone died, but they were not showing you someone going, uh, and dying from nerve gas the way that this was. And that was so odd because that was not how... 90s car that was not the direction that 90s cartoons were trending so there's this interesting aspect of them trying to like make johnny quest simultaneously more mature by making it violent and like heightening the stakes oh and and the use
0: of guns and missile launchers like one of the things I'll, i'll remember for a long time from this cartoon is like in a short hallway what one of these randos Fired a rocket launcher <laughs> at Johnny Quest, who was like five feet away.
1: Yes, and at Race Bannon. The same thing happens uh, in the prologue with Race Bannon, where where uh... someone like, fires a rocket at, at him, and he just kind of like uh, he just kind of like Matrix dodges it and just like goes over his shoulder and blows up right right behind him. But he's like, <laughs> he missed, he missed me. Incredible. It, 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 you know what it reminded me of it reminded me in a way of the the action from the first transporter movie um where there, there's a scene where uh they they fire uh, you know a rocket propelled grenade at the hero um played by jason statham and he deflects the grenade uh using like a tea tray like a silver tea tray and he just kind of like shoves it aside and it flies past him and And goes away, which I I mean, I'm not an expert in munitions, but seems seems unlikely. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound
0: right. And, you know, in the end, though, when they go back to 1978, like the the part that you're talking about, there's a moment I like the the violence I kind of want to explore, because at one point race sees the 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 girlfriend of the main bad guy and and she sees him and she points her machine gun at him and his response is to throw a knife over her head (laughs) to cut a rope that's holding a net and thus net her
1: and i was like it was very
0: gi joe yes well and what what would an actual
1: uh cia agent do at that point
0: like right
1: in her neck he actually did, oh, oh yes, with the knife, yes. I, I was gonna say, he does try to shoot her. He kind of like leans around the door and just fires his his, his whole clip and then is like, dang, out of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen The Mandalorian? Uh, I have not, I have not seen The Mandalorian. Well, no spoilers
0: here, but there is a wonderful point where, for two minutes, two stormtroopers are shooting at a plant doing target practice, and neither one of them even comes close. And it's hard <laughs> not to think about that right now.
1: I mean, it's it's very it's it's like GI Joe logic, where there's there's tons of gunfire all the time, but it's just kind of like lighting up the sky. Um, you, you know, each in every episode of GI Joe, hundreds of millions of dollars of of military is is expended or or destroyed um nobody dies and nothing is accomplished (laughs) right like it always has to end with a fist fight although dr surd does get shot and you later find out uh was was paralyzed um and so the the episode continues uh with johnny jesse and haji discovering that dr surd is still alive through like a very 90s hacking sequence uh where they say let's let's hack into the irs and find out what his uh well, you know has he filed his tax return <laughs> I know, just
0: like the moronic
1: we think he's dead. so let's see if he's paid his power bill in the past 20 <laughs> years um so so what they wind up doing is they they find that Dr. Third is still alive and uh, Wait, they, uh they
0: they actually said check for his pension.
1: Oh yeah i I didn't catch that. that.s so funny. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. I mean, you know, you know, pensions that that alone dates it to the nineties. Who knows? what Oh that yeah, is anymore. incredible. Um, yeah, so so they they wind up basically making this deal with him, saying like, "We'll let you live in virtual reality." Again, this is where I started thinking about about Lawnmower Man. Um, we'll let you live in virtual reality in, instead of being paralyzed. Um, in exchange for helping us save our our parents, and of course he he betrays them, and there's a, this whole showdown in in su- Quest World cyberspace, um, and it's it's very '90s, it's very hokey. Um, it 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 feels like they're, you know what? Like as I was watching this, I felt like it could have become su- a cyberpunk, and I, I I was imagining a version of Johnny Quest where it was a cyberpunk like sci-fi noir kids show and i would have loved to watch that show instead of- i
0: i read up on this and the show designers read up on cyberpunk and read neuromancer and a lot of these other things to
1: inform quest world yeah and it it, it shows i i mean like they yeah. they have fought about like what's the interface? What are people going like it, it looks like the Matrix, even though the Matrix was still three or four years away from, from being made? Like it has they have like the like the earpieces, they they lie down in like the special chairs, and then the CGI unfortunately starts. Yes. Well, and
0: like when I think about the, the villain, um he uh Cerd, uh I absolutely sympathize with his desire to betray them over this, because if I were paralyzed from the neck down and somebody gave me the opportunity to be an EverQuest forever, I mean, I'd have laughed in your face. That's absurd.
1: Yeah, it's um, absolutely. And you know what, you know, what was interesting to me? Um, there is a character, th- th- this trope of the person who lives in cyberspace due to damage to their physical body, Occurs in a bu- in a bunch of different things. Um, it's in uh, I I believe it's in Count Zero, the the second um you know the the sequel to Noromancer. Mm-hmm. It's either in Count Zero or or it's in Mona Lisa Overdrive. I, I forget which one. Um, where there's like like a billionaire who turns out that he has like terminal cancer, and he's living in cyberspace as, as you know as his body you know d- uh, d- deteriorates. It's also in Snow Crash. Um, mm-hmm. where there, there's a character who has suffered like severe injuries and he basically lives inside of a truck now and lives most of his life in in cyberspace so yeah it's it's like pulling at these like cyberpunk concepts but it really doesn't do anything with them and it doesn't know what to do with them so you wind up just getting like it, it almost feels like johnny quest briefly becomes a cyberpunk show because the previous episode it was like a pirate archaeology show (laughs) and and now it's a cyberpunk show and then in the next episode it'll be like a weird paramilitary adventures show like it it was just kind of like genre hopping almost
0: yeah exactly and by the way it was count zero i i okay the the book was next to me so i flipped through until i saw (laughs) vivek so I think I think you're right. It's like the weakness and strength of the show is because it doesn't know what it is. It was it tried to be a lot of things. And so on the positive side, that means it has range. And on the negative side, it's silly.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say that the, the episodes that stood out to me, did, did you watch any of the episodes with Ezekiel Rage? Uh, no, I missed Ezekiel Rage. So. This is the only villain that I found especially interesting other than Dr. Surd in the real adventures of Johnny quest. So Ezekiel rage is kind of the terrorist type villain. Um, And he's a guy who wears like a weird white, almost like a Michael Myers mask. Um, And you can see that he's got like very bad burns and he does these weird, seemingly religious oriented terrorist attacks and this, huh. there's a whole episode where he kidnaps Dr. Quest and he's like threatening to kill him if he doesn't get his ransom. Um, and he keeps making these like religious pronouncements talking about such as, as it was written in the book of rage. Uh, and what you come to learn about him is that he actually, it, he was a CIA agent um, whose family was w- was killed uh, due to like an intelligence leak. And so he's trying to get revenge on the US government for you know mistreating him and getting his family killed and they eventually um get a hold of this book he's always reading from the book of rage and it turns out to just be a picture of his family inside like it's blank otherwise um and there's so much pathos in that concept like that could be in in an actual james bond movie and honestly is in many ways better like a better villain backstory than has been in most of the recent James Bond movies. And if they have stuck of, with him. <laughs> yeah, it's really hit me hard uh watching it as a kid and it still lands now, but the rest of the show is not up to that standard. So yeah, I, I, you, you were you were saying if they had stuck with him.
0: Yeah, like that is like the the idea of a a revenge based story or um the him uh defending the status quo that makes sense to me like i i i i think we could have an argument about whether the status quo is worth defending <laughs> but i mean like that that's a plot with legs that would be a world i can understand and like the world they are in i just
1: i don't understand well you know it's 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 interesting that you put it that way in terms of Terms of defending the status quo, because that's really incidental to the motivations of the characters, and it's it's very much what we were talking about before. The only reason that they get involved with with Ezekiel Rage is that he comes and personally kidnaps Doctor Quest. If he hadn't done that, I I believe you know they wouldn't have been involved. Like it's it's there's not the ideological aspect of the original series. Where it's like we're doing this for America. These foreign people are are <laughs> trying to destroy our rocket, and you know we need to stop this. We need Doctor Quest's help. It's like the world comes and gets Doctor Quest or Johnny Quest involved. It's it's not that they are out there pursuing an ideology. Incredible. So I mean, I, I think we've we've talked a lot about stuff that we didn't particularly like of, about the real adventures. What what was there anything that that you did like about it?
0: Well, um. I thought that uh, while the while the point of the show might have been a little bit suspect, the writing was actually fairly decent. I mean, I think for a 90s show, they did a pretty good job of making uh, the non-Johnny Quest characters fairly well-rounded
1: and likable. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. I, I mean, R- Race Bannon is still just kind of Race Bannon. Um, yeah the other characters are like kind of interesting like dr quest seems uh, like he seems kind of like naive in a way that he didn't in the original like in in the original he was the american science man and in the real adventures he's kind of like the the slightly like absent-minded science guy where he's like so into the science that you, you you get the sense that he's kind of like ignoring his other responsibilities like raising his son for instance yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like he's he it, his his he he kind of has like a negative aspect to his character at times yeah they're 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 fairly well written they clearly give some thought to the to, to the villain backstories i think they they didn't um it doesn't always land as we're talking about but they did at least be like well who who are these people like what's what's motivating them which which, which right which i thought was interesting. Um. I I guess I I wish that they had found a thing to make the show about. Um, like like I I wish that they had picked a thing like like later on they do stuff that's kind of gets into like X Files territory with aliens. Um, I I like it 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 could have been about that it it could sure. have been about cyberspace it it could have been about a lot of stuff instead of trying to be about everything it could have been a coming of age cartoon
0: yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of directions you could have taken it. Um, so I, this is a little off topic, uh, but did you ever watch Inhumanoids for the late 80s?
1: No. You mentioned this to me before, and
0: I thought you meant Herculoids. Um, oh, so no, well, which was
1: also awesome. Uh, Different-oids.
0: Yes, but uh, Inhumanoids was a cartoon that was bad in just about every level, but it had a couple <laughs> of things going for it. Uh, the first was like the humans were in armored mechs, and they were basically fighting uh, Cthulian enemies. Hmm. So, like the the their enemies had sort of a viral axe aspect, and they infected other people and spread, and they did those things. And they also were completely unafraid to kill people. And this was a cartoon targeted at like nine year olds.
1: So, so are, are you saying that you you like the violence and you like the peril? Uh Well, I, yeah, okay, yes.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, well, I mean, it's, it's like I'm in a court of law here. Like I've got to answer yes or no. But what I, what I like about it is that they were willing to face the consequences of what they were doing and have stakes. Yes. Uh, but like in the, the inhumanoids, for example, the writing was so terrible. It basically didn't matter. Like they had this great concept. They were doing all these weird things, but it just never really went anywhere because it was like, oh, the Goblin King shows up. And I'm like, who's the Goblin King? What's happening
1: now? You know, he's the the king of the goblins. Apparently, (laughs) Sorry. I should. the the name kind of says it all. Yeah, it's it's that th- that's interesting. And I, I think that when you look at The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, you have to read it in in terms of like there was an attempt in the mid to late 90s to even in like the early 90s to start making more mature cartoons that would be for that that kind of 80s, late 70s, you know, generation as they got a little bit older that maybe this is something that like teenagers would watch. Yes. Um, you see a little bit about that in uh, Batman: The Animated Series, which we've previously covered, and we actually we um, Leslie and I br- briefly discussed Exo Squad in that episode. Um, that 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 was another attempt to kind of do like an anime style, slightly more serious cartoon. Um, you had uh, yeah, there there were there were a variety of attempts to make like slightly more grown up cartoons, and I think you have to read Real Adventures of Johnny Quest as part of that trend and it just didn't go anywhere like it, teenagers did not want to watch cartoons except maybe ironically um yeah is, is what it seems to have been but it also seems like a lot of those shows weren't super great exo squad is but you know batman Dude. the animated series is if the real adventures was was trying to get I, I feel like it was designed for i don't know 13 to 15 maybe yeah like, it's it's like a I'd put it I'd put it
0: against like a Ben 10. Like that's sort of the level it was at for me.
1: Yeah. Actually, you know what show it it reminded me the most of? Um Gargoyles. It looks and feels at times like a very bad gargoyles, <laughs> like like a gargoyles sans gargoyles. Uh people keep telling me I need to watch that show. So I, I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, it definitely does a lot of the same stuff. That this show is doing in terms of like the level of violence, the complexity of the themes, um, characters have real motivations. There's real stakes, but Gargoyles is about something. It is fundamentally, um, it's it's basically like like an occult noir. Um, it, it's it's almost like like an occult Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles noir cyberpunk show, sort of. You have my attention. Um, yes yeah i am i this is not an attempt to
0: trap you but if in the future you wanted to have a discussion with me about gargoyles or something else i would love to come back this is this is a blast yeah
1: i i i am definitely going to get around to gargoyles eventually i haven't watched it in a good 25 20 years at this point sure um but uh but I, you know, I, I would definitely watch it again. And to, to, you know, to, to just throw one thing out of there, uh, one little tidbit, uh, there, there is a recurring villain group. Um, I forget if they're called, they're called the pack. I think in gargoyles who gradually and tragically transform themselves into cyborgs and and they're like escalating attempts to defeat the heroes of the show. And they make a point of demonstrating like they are losing their humanity, through their quest for, you know, vengeance and fame and conquest. And that sort of theme feels like something that could be in the real adventures of Johnny quest. But, but again, it, it can't commit to anything. So it unfortunately can't really like develop that. Do do you have any any closing thoughts on on real adventures? I, I I personally don't think it's it's you know if if anyone's thinking about something to revisit from from this episode, it, that would not be my recommendation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely it's uh, go a little farther back in time.
1: Yeah, gird yourself for combat with uh deep seated you know omnipresent racism but at least you're getting something like it it, it, you know say say what you will about the tenets of johnny quest at least it's an ethos yeah exactly (laughs) so um you know with with the the few minutes uh that we have left um let's talk a little bit about kind of the 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 satirical sort of damocles that's been hanging over the head of this entire episode which of course is the venture brothers which for anyone not familiar with it is, uh, I, I believe it started in 2002, 2003, maybe. Shockingly is still on the air here in 2020. Um, although the the production time is incredibly long. Um, and it's basically uh, what if Johnny Quest or a Johnny Quest type character grew up, uh, his father has passed away, left him the super science mansion, um, and grown up jo- Johnny Quest is a total failure uh, and a not very great human being, failure is very much the theme
0: of the Venture brothers, certainly in the early seasons. There are no characters who are living the lives they want um they're all they're all coming to grips with the fact that what they visualize their future to be isn't there, and they they don't like who they are and it it seems like an exploration of what they do with that. And it's such an interesting odd view of the world.
1: It is, it is, and you know the the fact of the the show being about failure. I, I I'm. Did th- did you independently come up with that, or because the reason I ask is the creators have said themselves explicitly that the show is about failure. Like that's directly from their mouths.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I feel smart then. There you, go, there you go. There
1: you go. It's almost <laughs> as if you do this. Like, on your own podcast all the time and look at different it, media and what it means.
0: Well, I mean, it's sort of a reassuring thought that what we do actually relates
1: to the real world. And we aren't just BSing ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. I, it is It is nice to hear that, uh, that, that reified back to us. And it's especially nice... To have that experience nowadays. And this is wildly off topic, but it just occurred to me that you know every piece of media is scrutinized and dissected long before it it ever comes out. And so, you know, when you stumble upon a a take that is both like interesting and then turns out to be true, it's a nice little feeling that I, I think you you get you get increasingly less uh nowadays. Um but but yeah. to to your point, yeah, it's it's a very early aughts sort of uh, movie in the sense of like, you know, that's when I was finishing high school was when this started coming out. And when I got into college, there was a sense, there was a palpable sense that the future we had expected was not there for us any longer. Um, And, you know, growing up, we had expected that that end of history world to be there that we would grow into the giants that our forebears were as you know we we would become the new Doctor Quests and right. uh, there was this omnipresent sense I think in Gen X and that carried over into the Millennials that we were not going to be our parents' generation for for good or for ill um, and it, yeah it feels like the show is very much about that yeah
0: absolutely and and it it makes it. A little more timeless than
1: the other iterations of Quest, even though it's not another Quest show. Yeah, although, although Johnny Quest and Race Bannon do exist uh, within the continuity.
0: Yes, at different stages of decay, certainly. But uh, they, uh, this show is looking inward instead of outward. So it's 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 a personal exploration rather than an exploration of what's going on in the newspapers or in the culture, and so as a result, I think it has a little more staying power than the the uh, the other versions of this this sort of story.
1: Yeah, and what what I love about it is the way that it 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 satirizes. Uh... The original J- J- Johnny Quest and a, a bunch of other things, to to be clear, um, by taking it all incredibly seriously, like they they they're not doing like to be clear, this is not like a robot chicken type satire. This is like you know they they look at the world of of Johnny Quest with its super science heroes and its race Bannon's and its you know Doctor Z's. And it, and it says, what if? What what must have been going on behind the scenes for this to be possible? How. How did that undersea base get built and financed? Why is it that the same villain is constantly coming up against Dr. Quest over and over again? Like, why is it that it's only the same two or three people? Why is it that their schemes never seem to really make any financial sense? And it explains, it comes up with explanations for all this. Well, there's there's a supervillain guild and a superhero guild, and it mashes people up. You know, you have to get grants or, or, you know, you have to be independently wealthy to, to build your evil layer. You it's, it's more of a hobby or a lifestyle than than it is a a job that you're actually doing to get rich. And I, I love that all of the humor comes from taking it so seriously instead of like, like you could easily just make a show that was a satire of, of Johnny quest just making fun of all the bad stuff about it that hasn't aged well, and that's not the direction that that it goes in. Although it does get to get those shots in too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are easy targets, but it's it's very clear that the 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 makers of the Venture Brothers loved uh, Johnny Quest, and this is this is as much as a send up, a loving homage of that whole style of, of, of cartooning and plot writing and all of it. And it just, it makes it such an interesting comp complicated visual document that it's, it's one of my favorite cartoons at all time. I'd be hard pressed to come up with a better one.
1: And, you know, same. And it's definitely, I mean, I've, I've been watching it since it came on the air. I've, I've watched each season as it comes out. I've never missed a season. Um, there, there's been, there's been highs and lows for, for sure um and like i felt multiple times that it could end and i I am astonished that it's still going and that they have even achieved a level of consistency because i mean you know this is a show that started in 2003 has maintained the same continuity with no real major breaks in continuity or like retcons or anything um and we are not living in the world of 2003 any longer like you know, there were no smartphones when this show began, and now the characters have smartphones and they comment on on it. And you know, and you can mm-hmm. you can see, uh, you know, that this is not to be clear. This is not children's media at all. Maybe late yeah. teenager media. Maybe. Um, sure. But it, what's what's interesting is, uh, in the early seasons, um, they they use a couple words that were not widely considered slurs uh that you know uh that were very ableist uh and they comment on them in later episodes that like someone will say them and they go hey we don't say that anymore uh where, like, the <laughs> characters the characters are learning about the world as it progresses and I, I i love that they have such such like a love of these characters and attempt to make them real real people that grow with the the outside world
0: yeah yeah, absolutely, and I mean the staying power of this is incredible. The idea that okay, maybe they didn't do an episode every year. we are talking about seventeen years of history as a backdrop for this, and it, it's extraordinary that they've been able to hold on and
1: keep it current on any level, yeah, especially with three or four years between between seasons. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I mean, I, I guess you know, in wrapping up, it behooves us to talk a little bit about the the way that uh J- johnny quest appears in this and that race bannon appears race bannon you only ever see dead i believe he is yes he, he dies in the beginning of um i think it's a first season episode it is and the 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 version of race bannon um in in venture brothers is brock samson and he has he is everything about race Bannon turned up to 11. So he's like a goofy, like ex football player jock. Who's been recruited uh, by the U S government basically because he's a relentless killing machine. And he yeah, he's, has hes too cool to use guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, they, he, you know, when, when they give him uh, the, the, the shooting range test, he takes his gun and throws it like a boomerang and knocks the heads off of all the targets. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so uh race Bannon is Brock Samson's like idol. Uh And the, the first time you encounter him, he's, he's died. And I, I think he even died from like something like kind of, kind of dumb. Um, yeah. And, and then Johnny quest is like a strung out person struggling with a heroin uh addiction um and then he kind of gradually gets his life together but but both he and uh dr venture ha- have had their lives ruined growing up in this weird culture of b- boy adventurer basically
0: yeah, yeah. I mean it really does illustrate what a what a horribly toxic environment this is and what an incredibly selfish lifestyle this would be to put on a child. Not that anybody would, but these cartoons are built upon like how, there's no way these kids wouldn't have PTSD.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And like they 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 make a point of joking about like all of the adults are just having a grand old time. They're all swingers. They're they're all, you know, living it up in the 60s and 70s as their children are are almost being killed constantly. Um and and it you know it, it turns out in the modern day that this this has continued and they have like tons of clones of their children now so that when they inevitably get get iced by one of their super science adventures, they can just thaw out a new set of clones.
0: Yes. Oh I love that. I yeah, yeah it, it's it's one of the uh, just sort of that, that attempt to move the consequence away and what that means for those kids. Like I've been killed a bunch of times and it doesn't
1: matter. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, it's the, they, they treat it entire, entirely seriously. So, I mean, if there's anyone listening who loved Johnny quest or likes that sort of, you know, that, that whole era of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, um, definitely watch venture brothers. If you haven't watched it, it is, it is, it is an incredible ride um and they definitely love the cartoons as as much as uh as you do you know i i it's it's not a good fit for for for, for this show um but it, you know i i could go on for hours and hours about it. it is a great show i i have exhausted everything that i have to say about about johnny quest um do, do you want to kind of rate uh the you know the the old and the new i is it even worth doing? It seems like we're more or less in agreement. You know, 60s era Johnny Quest, good. 90s era Johnny Quest, eh.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I'd probably rate the 60s
1: era Johnny Quest. Are we using a five-point scale? Let's use a five-point scale. I've never done this before. I, I've, I've never given a rating, but yeah.
0: Okay, well, let, let's give it four red scares. <laughs> Out of five? Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, they did so many things right, and they t- they took so many risks. I'd probably give the 90s one probably a two. Like, there are some things that were done ably and well, but there weren't many risks, and the risks they did take were kind of dumb. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I, I agree. And you know what? I mean, for for, for me, I, I guess if we're using a five-point scale, I give the old stuff a five out of five for kids' entertainment from that era. Like, I, I can't think of, of anything... If I was going to watch a kid's show from that era, I can't think of anything else that I would want to watch more than Johnny Quest. When um, you add from
0: that era, I have to agree with you. It's there's, there's nothing else like it from the time,
1: but I, I mean, I don't think it's kids entertainment anymore. I would not show Johnny Quest to anyone younger than a teenager. In, in Oh my God. Opinion. Yeah. What like, a bad idea. We've, we've talked before about like you, you cannot, you cannot properly contextualize racist stuff in a way that um will make sense to to a kid like you can tell them like i'm going to show you this thing understand that the point of view in it is a wrong point like they they don't they'll get it a bit um in the in the same way that like you can like teach a kid something and then try to unteach them and it doesn't i i I don't know. I I feel like maybe by the time they're like twelve or thirteen, they would be old enough to to understand that like, look, this is from an earlier era. This stuff is wrong and bad. The, the way that you you might teach like Tom Sawyer or, or or something, where you can kind of muddle through it. But I definitely would not show this to the age group it was it was intended for. Yeah. Um the real adventures is like you know I. I, I guess if a kid was like 12 or 13, maybe it's, it's hard for me to say, you know, our, our, our oldest is four, definitely mm. not showing them this. <laughs> um, it's, it's too, it's too violent. Um, yeah. I don't think it ruined any lives, but, the what it,
0: what it does for what it's worth just doesn't balance out.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not, it's not worth getting into it. You'd be much better off showing them something like, like the Rocketeer, for instance, which I saw when I was like 11 or 12 and I loved it. It was, it was, it was great. And that, that handles those tropes in a way that is somewhat dishonest and that it's like sanitized, you know, to, to be appropriate for a nineties audience. But at the same time, like, you know, it's not, it's not as problematic. It's, it's fine. So if, if you want, if you're desperate for like a nineties era version of that, just go watch like the Rocketeer or young Indiana Jones or something along those lines. Yeah. And
0: venture brother is the standard for a good adult cartoon. As far as I'm concerned, I, I, you, you, the kid would have to be a teenager before I'd let him anywhere near it. But I I think it's an extraordinary work.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. It is, it is, it is awesome. It is just a good show. Um, to the point that like i can't i can't do it justice trying trying to describe it
0: yeah i Um, I think we sort of ran short on describing it because neither one of us feels like we can but like uh, good guys go watch it
1: yeah just just turn this podcast off uh after you (laughs) listen to pete's shout outs uh and then and then go watch venture brothers honestly just just skip johnny quest entirely. Uh so so that being said uh Pete this this has been a blast. I I really enjoyed having you on to to talk about this. Um where can people find uh more of you out there on the internet?
0: Sure. Uh well, um if you go to Google and you type Podside Picnic, you will find our podcast on some venue that you enjoy. Those are the free episodes. If you like that and you're interested in more, uh, we have a Patreon, uh, Podside Pit. Oh, it's patreon.com slash Podside Picnic. You can subscribe for additional episodes. But you know, start with the free stuff and I hope you like it. It's an exploration of science fiction with a critical lens.
1: You know, I, I would personally shout out uh there's a there's a couple of free Dune episodes, I believe. Um and I is is the William Gibson episode uh Yes. That's that's a really terrific really, really terrific. If, if, if you like any of the, the cyberpunk that, uh, the real adventures of, of Johnny quest, uh, hints at, you know, go, go there and better understand the source material, uh, because they do a great job of, of teasing out, you know, some of the, the totally banana stuff that makes, makes neuromancer work the way it does. So, well, well, Pete, thanks so much, uh, for coming on parents. Just don't understand it. It has been a blast. Uh, definitely would love to have you back on in the future, maybe t- t- to talk about gargoyles. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds
0: great. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out from there. But uh, thanks for having me, man. This has been great.
1: Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, and thanks for listening to Parents Just Don't Understand. Cheers.